We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. Just one more thing. Hey now. Oh boy. Holy mechanical armies. Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did. <laughs> you wanted to be one word. What is the other word? One of these days. Are we having fun yet? It's gonna be legend. Wait for it. Now, you might very well think that, but of course I couldn't possibly comment. Bertie Helens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening. Hello, and welcome to the Televerse, Send On Sight's TV podcast. This is Kate Kulzik, and I'm joined, as ever, by Simon Howell. Simon, how's it going? Uh, yeah, it's going. It's going. <laughs> ha- Happy New Year and all that. Yes, yes, absolutely. We're having a bit of uh, technical difficulties at the website and uh, at the po- at the, in the podcast in general th- this week. I know some people have noticed uh, our feed, our, our M4A feed is messed up in iTunes right now. It doesn't seem to like us. Uh, <laughs> and now it seems to be messed up at the site itself. So I don't know actually if, if you guys will be actually able to hear this uh, until a couple days after we put it out. But Hopefully that all gets fixed and and you guys are able to to hear the the podcast pretty easily. Um, we're gonna go this week over the the past few weeks of TV when we've had our our year uh, you know twenty twelve end of year sort of special episodes. We haven't been covering you know what's been airing, so we figured this week we would go through that and then what's been airing this week, and then instead of a DVD shelf, we're going to kind of look at what's coming in twenty thirteen mid season shows or Show's returning after, you know, being on hiatus for a while. So we figured we'd go through that. Sound good? Sounds good to me. So we'll dive right in with Happy Endings, which had uh, its its Christmas episode after our previous uh, week in TV, which was, you know, of several weeks ago here. It had No Ho Ho, which was uh, Jane. We find out that Jane is actually a Christmas baby, even though she's been, you know, pretending her birthday is in the summer since she was at like, what is it? Six, something like that. And then we also had a second episode uh, or another episode this past Sunday, fall play and date, which involved the Alex's racist parrot coming back and uh, dying uh, potentially of fumes due to, you know, the shenanigans, shall we say of, of, you know, Brad and, and Penny, and then we also had uh, Max getting set up by Jane and uh, uh, what's his name, the one that the boring one. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. is Dave? Dave, the boring one. <laughs> G- sorry, Dave. Set up, yes, by by Jane and Dave. Oh, so so uh, I know it's been a while for this Christmas episode. What did you think of these two episodes of Happy Endings? Uh, I mean, Happy Endings is rarely, if ever, bad. I can't think of a time it was ever bad. Uh, but it's. I think it's been particularly strong lately, and I think both of these episodes are really good. I have obviously this uh, the uh, this second racist parrot episode is fresher in my memory, uh, so let's go with that. I was uh, a little bit disappointed we didn't get more racist parrot action, actually, um, especially <laughs> given how madcap everything was. I was hoping there'd be a little bit more set up with that. But then again, it also gave them uh, a, a chance to do an implicit Monty Python homage, which I was happy with. Yeah, I, I did very much in, in enjoy that. I, I, actually, I'm glad that they killed off the racist parrot. 
Uh, as much as I do really love, I love that first episode <laughs> with the, with the, that's the one that has the, the stakeout, right? With the wire and everything. Yes. They're obsessed with the wire and, and the parrots along. Yeah. And so I love that they brought that back, but I also love that they had the restraint to, to kill the parrot off and no longer have that as a source of comedy. That's something that, for example, How I Met Your Mother doesn't seem capable of doing at this point. <laughs> no, never. I don't think Himium has ever retired a joke. So, so anyways, I, I like these two episodes as well. I, I did very much enjoy the Christmas episode and I like that they, you know, just the, them fighting, fighting Christmas and failing so miserably. Just the, the back, the, like the camelback or whatever of Nog. That's just, was so beautiful such a wonderful sight gag when that when that paid off and uh i i knew a couple people who were referencing that at at uh family christmas dinner like talking about going to see a movie or something and and sneaking in a backpack of of nog perhaps with some cheer um and uh yeah so 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 i very much i agree i'm enjoying happy endings right now was it just me or was it a particularly great year for christmas episodes it was a very good year for Christmas episodes. They they done good, I gotta yeah. say, across e the board. Even American Horror Story had a good Christmas episode. Like, what are the odds? Yeah, and we're gonna talk about another of my favorite Christmas episodes a little like, later in the episode uh, here. But uh, no, it's definitely been a good one. They're they're burning off happy endings somewhat. It's gonna be on Sundays and Tuesdays for a while, so I don't really know what that's about. But in the short run, more happy endings, so that's nice. Yes, although apparently it's not doing very well. So we're gonna talk about in our uh, on our mid season preview, you know, Cougar Town, which made the jump over to TBS. Perhaps it would be paired nicely with happy endings. I think so. I don't expect that, but it would be it would be nice <laughs> if it, if they decide to cancel it. Next, we have Top Chef, which had three episodes. Uh, we had them cooking in foil and then uh, going to the roller derby and then reliving some of the top moments of the past uh, 10 seasons of the show. Any standout moments for you in the past episodes? Uh, it, it I, I found some of the... Uh, I know this is my, my pet peeve with some of these shows, and I, it shouldn't be because it's how they happen, et cetera, et cetera. But I found some of the... Uh, product integration a little bit less than graceful in some of these episodes uh, particularly in this last episode when they had them recreate dishes from moments in past Top Chef episodes what I just said would be a fine challenge and then they mm -hmm. added the caveat of oh and it has to be healthier because it's furnished by Healthy Choice that's just a little bit too much for one challenge I think <laughs> that's just a, that's a few too many stipulations. It, every time Padma explained it, it was always a mouthful. Yeah, it, it did seem like a bit much. I think the only reason they incorporated that was because the the prize was that it was going to be turned into a healthy choice dish, and so that's why they wanted to you know to include that. But I actually wish they would do just a straight up calorie restricted cooking challenge because that's when they did a uh, a few seasons back, and it was wonderful to watch the these teams try to put together a 500 calorie meal like complete with drink and dessert for for these kids it was this episode it was wonderful to watch them wait you're telling me a tablespoon of oil has 100 calories how am i supposed to do anything and stay under 500 calories <laughs> Uh, and it, so, yeah, it was wonderful to see that. And it's such a, a different challenge than anything they usually have to do. So normally I'm all about the, you know, trying to see them cook a healthy version of something, except that there was no there was no definition of what healthy meant in this. Yeah, yeah. So there was no there was no sort of weird. There was nobody actually making sure that anything was healthy, which 
Uh, in some cases, they pr- pretty clearly weren't. Yeah, yeah. But I, I will say I've been very much enjoying Kristen. She is still my favorite to win, though I also enjoy Brooke. Just the fact that she baked a cake on aluminum foil, that takes balls. That was pretty badass. It's, well, it's pretty easy for Kristen to be your favorite because she keeps winning. That helps. <laughs> but also, I appreciate her, her personality and her... Uh, she seems to be pretty level-headed about you know when, when they show the rest of the gang hanging out. She's very drama-free, which I'm sure you appreciate. Uh, unlike Absolutely. John. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I, I love yeah. how, like, I, I feel like for a long time, I I, I didn't see the, the middle episode of, of this run, the roller derby episode, but I feel like for most of the season he he's been he, he's been you know oh you know i have this you know reputation for being a dick but it, but i'm really not that bad and most of the time he hasn't been but in this last episode man <laughs> he was a dick yes wow. that's true he, he was acting like a child um though i will say in the roller derby episode it was, first of all that was a lot of fun i always enjoy when they have roller derby episodes of things uh, but but there was some some Josie drama about they went to see the the roller derby and uh, I gotta say as much as I don't you know me I don't enjoy the drama and I wasn't on her side of things as far as the, that speck of drama goes except that when they went to the roller derby she, they were all like getting mad at her because she was involved and cheering and making a, a hooting and hollering it's roller derby that's what you do. You know, it's like, they'll be like, oh, I went to a football game with, with somebody and they spent the whole time, like, drinking their beer and hollering at the defense. It's like, why? That's what you do when you go to a live sporting event. So I was very confused by that. Uh, or, or I thought the editing choice to show her as obnoxious and loudmouth and everybody else good as opposed to them as buzzkills when she's trying to enjoy Have a good the, time the, yeah the game yeah like if they had maybe if they had shown any other part of the crowd you would see that the rest of the crowd was right there with her and they were the ones who were like because they you know they the, they all go to watch the roller derby match of the people who you know are the chefs that are there probably only a couple of them would ever go to a roller derby match in the first place so they're not interested for the most part anyways and but then they make it look strange that she is interested i don't know i thought that was kind of weird but in general i do yeah like you say i am a fan of the lack of drama so i'm kind of waiting for josie to get sent home she hasn't really distinguished herself this season oh yeah it's it's gonna happen um and also i thought the whole thing of like the whole idea of of having like a last cook-off was you know themed around the burger was cute but this whole notion of of we have a memorable moment from like four episodes ago that you're going to recreate i found a little bit silly it was though that is that is a memorable moment in the show if if only because it hasn't really happened before they haven't really they haven't had a contestant challenge the the judges uh, about an elimination like that before. So I do think it was, it is a standout moment of the series, but I, I, you know, I know some people have problems with, you know, the notion of them allowing a second cook off there when it seems like Lizzie would have been eliminated based on the first dish. And then John got eliminated based on the second dish. I get that. Um, but you know, I, I was just so happy to, to see I'm not, I'm not your bitch bitch again that I, <laughs> you know, I didn't really care. <laughs> and you say you don't like drama. Oh, that was just so wonderful. Oh, <laughs> good times. I yeah, yeah, that was that was a very satisfying, you know, live moment of television. 
Um, next up, we have Always Sunny and its finale, as well as the League's final two episodes. And for me, th- we were singing Krampus carols all the way up to to my grandparents' house. <laughs> or we were trying to, at least. It was delightful. I very much enjoyed the League finale. Um, what did you think of the Always Sunny finale, as well as these last two episodes of the League? Um, it, Always Sunny, you know, it had a Law & Order-themed episode, which is basically a can't-miss for me. So given mm-hmm. that... I mean, given the fact that Always Sunny, could, I mean, I mean, even a terrible Always Sunny episode themed around Law and Order, I feel like is going to get a few chuckles out of me, which is basically what this did. Although I have to say, I did really love all the evolution material. Yeah, uh, that was always oh, beautiful. Um, and actually, it was pr- it was definitely in the top percentile of episodes this season. But I feel like in past seasons, it would have been passable. So, or mm. you know, or just average. So, yeah. Wasn't and I, I I found it interesting that this is their first ten episode season in a very long time. Like for they've been doing thirteen episode orders for for at least six or seven seasons. So uh, I'm wondering what the shortened order is about. Um, if maybe next year is going to because I I know that they're renewed at least into next year, if not two more seasons. So yeah, they're not going they're not going anywhere. But it really seems like they're running out of steam. Yeah. I yeah, like you said I did very much enjoy the evolution part. Just the immediate uh uh well evolution's not real. <laughs> Especially the fact that Charlie is the stickler, the one who's staying with evolution the longest was was pretty uh entertaining. But yeah, yeah, I would say the best episode of this season has to be the the Halloween uh McPoyle wedding episode, which was yeah, hilarious. The wedding massacre, yes. That was great. And I I would agree this is one of their better episodes this season, but yeah, it is a little depressing that this is probably their second or third best all season, and much of the season has been sort of forgettable. Hopefully next season they'll come back with a vengeance and uh, some renewed energy, creative energy. But what about the League? Did you enjoy the their finale so much as I did? Yes, I think the League ended really strong. Uh, I, I still think uh, Season 4 ha- didn't quite hit the, the high watermark of Season 2, but it did feel quite a bit better than Season 3. So um, yeah, I'm not sure why quality is so inconsistent on the league, but I, I did really like the the uh, last couple episodes. I um, I I was a little bit disappointed with the Krampus costume, to be honest. I was hoping for so, like, <laughs> wouldn't it have been great to have uh to have Taco come out in like black feathers with claws <laughs> and you know, like spewing black blood all over the mall? Like that would have been funny to me. The fact that it was like a cuddly Krampus costume was a little bit uh, a little bit disappointing, but I did like the Krampus carols very much. Um, and I, I always like whenever they bring back Shiva because I, I love their collective relationship with her. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty entertaining. The uh, the last thing I'll mention about this is, of course, the league has been renewed. I know we were a little uh, concerned about that, but it did actually get renewed, so I'm looking forward to that for next year. And speaking of Krampus, I have to throw a shout-out to you. I just discovered this, this season, holiday season, that is, the, the Tony Bourdain Krampus sketch, like animated stop motion thing that he had on his uh no reservations last year and it's about three minutes of awesome so i highly recommend it so you can find it really easily on youtube so check it out if you enjoy the league's krampus you know festivities next up is fringe which had anomaly as xb6783 and it's their their final episode uh, of that was their final episode of last year. They of course they have uh, two two weeks, but three episodes coming ahead, and then it, that'll be the end of the show. What did you think of this episode? And are you how are you feeling about the the end sort of run of Fringe right now? 
I'm I'm not really feeling like I I kind of feel like it should be feeling like it's ramping into something epic, and I'm not feeling that yet. So I'm a little bit uh, I I'm I'm still not really sure where it's going in terms of the shape of the ending, which is good, I guess. Uh, it's better than predictability or feeling like oh we've got three more tapes to find and then the quest is over, um, or whatever. But so that's good. But I'm still I'm I'm a, a little bit trepidatious about that. Um, you know the the death of Nina Sharp. As uh, honestly, the second she shows up in this episode, I you know she's dead, right? Like, there's only three episodes left. They gotta start thinning the herd, and they don't seem to want to kill Astrid. So hey, Nina Sharp, you're here. It, it it's it, it was very obvious to me from her very first appearance that she was going to be heroically sacrificing herself by the end of the episode. Especially as it's very much the final season, capital F, capital S. I, I did, you know, I wasn't surprised when that happened, but I did think that they, they played it well. I think Blair Brown was very good in this episode, and I liked that they had somewhat of the, the callbacks to, to uh, that, they, that they reminded the audience of her relationship with Olivia, even if Olivia chose to abandon that, to, to be with Peter, to get her original timeline memories back as uh you know it's, it's very confusing really to try to explain yes. it to a, a new fan um so but i like that they had that sort of consistency with that with the character and what her changing role has been in the series over you know over the course of the years and i'm i'm interested in the in the child observer and i gotta say they pulled it out and I care about Donald, and they surprised me, and I don't know how neither one of us saw that. It was it was very much an of course, of course, right. <laughs> moment. Yeah, I'm not sure how much I care about that, but we'll see. Um, I I did uh, I did love. Um, I mean, the the clear highlight of the episode for me was um, was Nina's uh, sort of monologue about how the observers are basically just walking lizards. Mm -hmm. uh, that was great. Um, other than that, I didn't think it was the most memorable episode, but it, it, it felt like a pretty standard g start to get places and pieces in motion for the the big old happenings that are coming uh, with with a few um, with a few key character moments that you, we're sort of expecting. Well, we only have a few weeks left to go, but I'm certainly looking forward to to the end of Fringe. And I need to start catching up on some of the the earlier episodes of the, of the year because we are going to have a DVD shelf about Fringe right after the finale. So I'm looking forward to to fringifying my life over the next few weeks. Next up, we have the Doctor Who Christmas special, and we were not very favorable towards Doctor Who this past year. I know I, you know, listeners may or may not know I'm a mega fan. I've seen literally all of Doctor Who that is available and have heard the episodes that aren't. And you are much more leery towards the show and have seen about, what, 10 episodes at this point? Something like that. What did you think of this episode? Um, the doctor we get in this, his personality is a little changed. Uh, but then also, what did you think of the the companions? Because I believe you you didn't see Madame Vastra, Strax, and Jenny. You hadn't seen them before, so they were no. they would have been new to you. No, these are all new people. Um, I, I I do like the new companion. Uh, I think she's got spunk, and uh, she's she's very fun to watch. I don't know how. I feel about the romantic angle. I don't know. I, I mean, I I know that that's. I'm sure that's a, a, a controversial subject on which uh, thesis papers and whole uh, <laughs> whole areas of study have been devoted. So I won't get too much into that. Um, I re I wasn't all that chuffed about the actual plot of the episode. Mm -hmm. 
especially when it seems like Stephen Moffat has trouble with, with with resolving things in ways that don't involve eye rolling uh, when it comes to Doctor Who, at least in what I've seen. And the whole thing with, it took the tears of a family on Christmas. Oh, Jesus, really? <laughs> We're doing this? Like, really, the universe cares about this sort of thing, really? Yeah, that that was the thing about this episode. I enjoyed it. I watched it actually a couple times with various family members, and it, my I watched it with my dad. He's not big on Doctor Who. He has a just he he remembers wobbly sets from when he was a kid and is rather uh, just opposed to it for for that. Can't seem to get over that. Um, but he enjoyed this one more than the other ones he's seen, probably because he really liked Strax. He very much enjoyed that you know, that comedic element. And then I watched it with my sister and, you know, we both enjoyed the Mary Poppins-ness of, of Clara in this episode. Of course but, you did. Of, well, I mean, Mary Poppins would be an awesome, an awesome companion. Uh, but I absolutely agree. What this episode showed me was it, it really highlights Moffat's weaknesses at this moment. And that's third act, you know, deus ex machina or deus ex zombie zombie frost man for some reason uh there's you know there's a lot in this episode i think it sets up pretty well i i'll I'll give them the snowman i thought the snowman looked creepy they were designed well yeah that that was actually a surprise to me because i was i was sure i was gonna get flashbacks to bad christmas themed horror films from the mid 80s but they actually looked pretty good well and just the note you know them being connected to psychic snow and so if you can overcome your fear and stop thinking about them, they'll go away. That's an interesting concept as well, especially when tied in with the creepy governess lady and, and the uh, the small child. It's a lot harder to tell a kid that nightmare you've been having for weeks that you're terrified about, don't think about it. You know, it's a little, you know, that that brought, brought an interesting element in. But then when all of a sudden it's, it's Ian McKellen, uh, but then it's the kid's voice through something the doctor did, but then it actually, the whole time it really was Ian McKellen, he was just pretending to sound like the kid or something. I shouldn't have to turn off my brain to the extent that I've had to in the recent episodes of Doctor Who. I love Stephen Moffat. I think he has a lot of, of fabulous strengths as a writer, and I, I very much enjoyed the majority of the, his time running Doctor Who. But over the past season, and especially the you know the this the first half of season seven, and then and then this episode too, if he would spend even a third of the time that it seems like he spends on character, on th- making sure his plot made sense, I would be a much happier Hoovian. Yeah, well, I still wouldn't be a Hoovian, but I I would I would have more fun watching the show. Do you care about Clara? I mean, I was uh, the the whoever this third iteration is going to be. That is, I was really hoping we would have a either past or future companion. It looks like we're going to have another contemporary, you know, twenty something female you know, human companion. Any thoughts on that, or well, more uh, of a wait and see? I I don't I don't have the same uh, attachment to previous companions, et cetera, et cetera, as you do. But I, I mean, I, I think Jenna Louise Coleman's very good, um, and I. I think she's clearly a very uh, confident actress and I, th- I, and you know, very adept at comic timing and other things. So I, I, I don't see any reason that she wouldn't be good. Um, I, I think, I don't think the show's companions are its issue really. Well, you heard it here, Moffat, please start thinking about your, your denouement and your, your plot reveals because they should be better. 
and he's capable of better. We've seen it on Sherlock time and time again. But uh, let's move on, though, to Call the Midwife, because if there's a cure for for Doctor Who frustration, it's Chummy, because Chummy's a cure for many things. What, did you get a chance to watch this one? And if so, what did you think? Sadly, I, I did not. I feared you might not have been able to see this. I enjoyed it, but again, it was very very much in the similar vein of Call the Midwife, the way the season was for, for both of us this year, where it was it was enjoyable while I was watching it. There were some very affecting moments, um, but... You know, when I get some, as I get some distance from it, I'm only really remembering Chummy <laughs> and caring about Chummy as opposed to the other the other characters. Um, Jenny had a bunch of stuff. You know, we we saw her interact with uh, an uh, el- an older woman who had lived in the workhouse who had some some psychological issues and some serious health issues, as well as uh, the, and then Chummy was dealing with a uh, a pageant and all sorts of of stuff with that. So there there was some real, you know, it felt very much like a Christmas episode. Not only because it was set at Christmas but because of its themes. Um and it was it was very enjoyable, but I still I probably had more fun with Doctor Who though I would say Call the Midwife was actually a far better crafted uh you know piece of Christmas specialness. Um, so, so I guess I, I'm still not as, st- I wish I was more excited about called the midwife than I am right now, but, uh, it, it continues to be well-made and I do look forward to, to next season. Hopefully I'll get a little more enthused for it then. Next up is, uh, the TV from this week and we start with parenthood. Now, uh, I was tearing up at about the two minute mark of this episode. <laughs> You'd think after their last episode, it wouldn't be possible. Like you would be inured to it, but then Oh man, Monica Potter. Yeah, uh, she. Although, t- frankly, I think we can both agree that this episode peaks before the credits roll, um, mm-hmm. before we get the intro. Uh, you know that 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 one two combo of the party sequence at the bar, and then shaving her head, uh, was just brutal, uh, so brutal, and uh, and so well executed. And I, I'm always amazed whenever I see a sequence of someone act like it, it. I mean, it, it is a showy thing to do, admittedly, but anytime I, I I get a sequence of someone actually shaving their head and it's well shot and well performed, uh, it's it's always it's 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 a thing. It's a thing to watch, um, and uh, Monica Potter is really really amazing in uh, especially in those few minutes. Uh, the rest of the episode was fine. Like I mean, it, it was it was a good episode of Parenthood, which is a good show. Uh, but nothing nearly as memorable as as that opening, really. Yeah, well, the I mean, it destroys you. <laughs> it's so well done. Yes, and 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 just the, I, I love the range of emotion we saw from Monica Potter as as Christina is shaving her head of trying. She wants it just to be like a empowering moment, and so there's like happiness in there, but then there's also fear, and there's also you know, what am I doing? You know, so she, but, but it's all, it's all believable. It's all true to that character in that moment. And, and and so I like that there's, there's no dialogue. It's just, you know, her in the bathroom, in the mirror. It's, it's wonderfully executed. I, the other highlight of the episode though for me would have to be the, uh, I, I, I did enjoy the, the whole Crosby freak out, especially when, uh, when he's you know yelling at Adam for giving for for his advice, uh, but but the other highlight of the episode for me was definitely Ryan Hansen in the bar trying, yes. trying to pick up Christina. It was hilarious, and that's just a moment of perfect casting. It's so wonderful to see him in that slightly different role. I mean, he's been the the 
slacker surfer dude so many times. He's very good at that. But to see him in this this slightly different play on that character was, was smarmy salesman. Well, it was just it, and not even not even smarmy because he wasn't like gross enough for it. Just like kind of clueless and and cocky and it was. No, it was it was hilarious. It was great. <laughs> when I saw him in the in the opening in the post intro credits, I was assuming he was going to be like new love interest for Mae Whitman. I was like, cool, but this was uh-huh. cool too. <laughs> yeah, it, the only downside is that I assume we're not going to see him again because it wouldn't make sense. It would be very strange no. if we did see him again. Uh, but uh, no, that was that was a lovely little moment, and yeah. Thank you, Parrothood. Thank you, Jason Kadams, because I, I would like to see Ryan Hansen get more opportunities to have those kind of moments yes. on my TV. I, I also liked how they how they briefly teased um, uh, Pamela Adlin's character, but didn't actually bring her back. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, great. <laughs> in, in, in almost a moment of, of meta, yeah, we know this character is not that great, but I don't think it actually was. <laughs> um, now, let's see. Did you see the next time on? Parenthood? I did. Uh, and I guess we should talk about that. You were right. I was wrong. Uh, wait a minute. When was I right? You called that. Did I? What? what yeah. So what will, we will be seeing next week, you called. And I was like, no, they're not going to do that. That would be stupid. I oh, have more right. faith in them than no, that. No, 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 no. No. I mean, as I said, and you can quote me on this and put it on all the Parenthood posters, Jason Kadams loves abortion. Oh, God. Anyways, we'll see what happens. Uh, don't want to say anything else in case people don't want to be spoiled. But uh, stuff is going to come down in this tonight's episode <laughs> as we record. Um, let's move on, though, to American Horror Story, which had another crazy episode this week. I continue to not watch but find out what happened so that I can, you know, because it is, it is a, I do want to know what happens because it's so crazy. <laughs> I just don't want the emotional scarring of actually watching it. So you just, you excitedly read American Horror Story synopses every week? I wouldn't say excitedly, more of, uh, more because you know, we have different people reviewing it over the, you know, at the website. So I just kind of like check in and go, ah, huh, they, they did that. Yeah, cool. that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, American Horror Story doesn't ever take a week off of being nuts, uh, which is good for it. Uh, yeah, this week we had not one but two of our principal villains uh, killed off, which doesn't mean they're gone, because that's how this show works. But uh, it was nice to see them. Uh, well, pull- and because one is the devil. Uh, well, one so. is is possessed by a devil. I don't know if it's the oh, devil. Okay. Uh, okay. So, yeah, that's tricky. But uh, yeah, I, don't, I, I have no reason to believe that we're not going to be seeing uh, James Cromwell or Lily Rabe. But in case we're not, I have to say again that L- Lily Rabe in particular has been fantastic. And I don't remember ever seeing her before. And I'm hoping to see her on more stuff. Apparently she's a Broadway vet, uh, which makes sense because she plays big very well. Um, so yes, hopefully she'll be back. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like the miniseries format, if you want to call it that, really actually plays to Ryan Murphy's strengths. Uh, you know, if if you ever watch one one of the shows he's uh, sh- running or co-running that isn't in this format, they tend to have really great first seasons or really strong first seasons, and then gradually flag as his penchant for ridiculous plot twists and not a whole lot of character integrity and general sort of craziness just becomes tiresome after a while. I feel like that happened on Glee, that happened on Nip Tuck in a major way. Um, I can't speak to other shows he's done because I haven't seen them. Uh, but I feel like the the format of American Horror Story sort of 
doesn't let that happen. And I, of course, also his very strong set of writers also doesn't let that happen. So yes, I feel like the show at this point really, uh, it, it's really his ideal vehicle. So hopefully, and there's there's three weeks left, which is another reason why it was cool to see them kill off a couple of major characters. Um, so hopefully uh, they can finish strong. And I'm also hoping that whatever they do next season, uh, I'd really like to see another period piece. I don't really want to see them do contemporary again because, uh, man, season one was not good. Well, I don't know what they could possibly do next season because what is left? What's not going to feel like a repeat of some part of this season? I'm I'm telling you, man. They got it. They got to go to. They got to go to sixteen, uh, late sixteen hundred Salem next season. And I'm all for that. But they've already done aliens. They've already done possession. I mean, what's left? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we'll see. They, they they did really. It's true. They made an effort to stuff everything into seemingly everything into this season. But uh, I, I'm I'm confident that um, that that they can pull that Tim Minier and company can pull something else out. Well, we'll we'll see. I I continue to uh, in, as I said, enjoy like following on Twitter when people are watching and that sort of thing. It's been fun. Let's move on to a slightly less emotionally scarring episode. Uh, Bob's Burgers, Mother Daughter Laser Razor. <laughs> yes, uh, this was really really good. Uh, Bob's is great, and this was great. I, I I feel like this episode of Bob's was sort of their version of a lesson episode. Like oh, um, like and the we, moral like, is yes, and 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 the moral is, is this, and you know, and daughters have to learn to love their mothers. Except this was more like what happens when people learn stuff in real life, which is they go oh okay, and then life continues exactly as before. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah. At least that's how I experience things. Well, and of course we did get another Tina uh, fantasy sequence. We always yes. have those. <laughs> Uh, well, it's specifically a, a Tina fantasy sequence that uh, that's also a clear Terminator 2 riff. <laughs> yeah, no, it, was, it was good. And uh, I got to say, I enjoy a, a nice game of laser tag. I feel like it, it made somewhat of a comeback with How I Met Your Mother. I feel like as far as popularity and it being a thing that you can do. But I think laser tag is awesome. I very much enjoy a good game of laser tag. So I was as soon as they pulled up and, and the laser tag things, I was like, I'm really hoping they end up there at the end, and uh, they did. So it, it was uh, pretty much exactly what I wanted. I, I was also getting, I don't know if this was an intentional homage, but I couldn't help but think of the, was the Happy Hut from Adam's Family? Is that Adam's Family 2, maybe? When they're at camp, and if they have a bad attitude, they get stuck in a room and they have to listen to Barney or something like that for hours on end on a loop. Right, and here they're stuck to watch. Uh, they're forced to watch Freaky Friday on repeat. I, and I, I loved the the show's version of Freaky Friday as heard, <laughs> <laughs> just just rotely explaining the plot over and over. That was fantastic. Yeah, no, it was pretty great. I, you know, we always love Bob's Burgers, and uh, it continues to to not disappoint. Just the notion of you need to shave my legs, Dad, is just so like disturbing and uh hilarious and ah, I just love these guys. Shall we do you have any found thoughts or shall we move on? Uh I think we should keep going. Keep on trucking. Okay, so next up is Downton Abbey, which had its uh premiere in on PBS. Of course it already all of season three has aired in the UK. I'm actually going to hold off on talking about this. You did not watch this. Uh, I I have seen all of season three, uh, but I'm going to wait till we uh, get to our our mid season preview to talk about the season as a whole a bit. There, it's it's Downton Abbey. That that's pretty much all I have to say about the premiere. So, uh, moving on to uh, Good Wife, Boom Diada. 
And we had the return of Lewis Canning. We had, uh, you know, as we always do, guest stars aplenty. Uh, what did you think of this episode and where it looks like the season may be going? Um, it was all right. Uh, it, uh, the uh, the general episode theme of silence and stillness was visually and orally interesting. Not all that, uh, you know, not all that compelling, but, you know, it was a fine unifying element. Um, I'm not really sure how I feel about the stuff with with the trustee, and um, and sort of trying to make sure that the uh, that the that they that they maintain control of the firm. It kind of just makes <laughs> uh, Diane and Will seem like dicks, and makes me like Nathan Lane more, which is a weird position for the show to be in. Uh, in that we we sympathize with a secondary character and kind of. Uh, don't want to spend a whole lot of time with our supposed principles. At least that's how I felt about those scenes. Yeah, I think it was good though, because in the previous episodes, when you know when they had brought in the the buyer for the firm, we were very much on on their side, on on the uh, Lockhart Gardner side. But I thought I thought it was good that we had an episode here where it's this. You owe people forty million dollars or whatever the a, a ridiculous sum is. And I'm trying to help out those people that you owe millions of dollars to, and you aren't letting me do that. That's not good. That's selfish and petty, and you have lost the right to be able to own your company because you owe people millions of dollars. Right, and and that's a totally that's a totally viable position. But I'm not sure the show wants us to sympathize with Nathan Lane's character here, like, or or, See, or at least I feel not. Like they did here. Maybe but, I don't well, know, but I, they I haven't I, before. I don't feel like I'm supposed to have the levels of antip of antipathy for Will and Diane that I currently have. Interesting, yeah. Th that's how I read. Maybe, maybe that's why I like this episode more than you did. But I read this episode as normally we're on their side, we're on uh, Will and, and Diane's side, and this is the episode where they say, "Are you wait, 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 wait? Hold that, hold up a second. Are you kidding me? You should be on Nathan Lane's side." Nathan Lane is right. As much as we do like these characters and do want them yeah. to be able to keep their company, you should actually be on his side. Well, maybe uh, you're Nathan right. Nathan Lane's side. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens because I think a lot has to do with how they handle the next few few months of time within the show. Yeah, that's true. Um, I have to say I, I really wasn't that excited about the return of Wendy Scott Carr. Mm -hmm. I really don't think she's a great character. As much as I like Anita Noni Rose, um, yeah, she's just... She's, quite possibly the most one-dimensional villain is he well except for now nick Severis, um <laughs> uh in the show's history and every time they bring her back she plays the same notes over and over and it's really tiresome yeah at least with Severis, uh you, you had like very immature and so, sort of tiring character stuff going on but at least there was character stuff going on I, I don't care. I mean, I disliked him. I don't even care about her enough to dislike her. And yeah. so that's, I mean, th this is a show that we always compliment. They do their guest stars well. They do their, their bit characters very well on the most part. So bringing her back, I mean, I don't, we've already seen that character be completely played out in, in her struggle with, uh, with, with Floric, with Peter. And so to bring her back in this capacity just didn't, it felt very anticlimactic, and I, I was kind of going, of all the awesome guest characters that, you know, guest actors that you could bring in, why did you go with this one? 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe viewers like her, uh, the viewers that aren't us, I have no idea. We also have the addition of TR Knight this week, because why not? Um, why not? I, was, I wasn't all that crazy about that either. I mean, maybe he'll, maybe they'll do more with his character as episodes go on, but his introduction here felt very strawman-ish and a little bit cartoonish as well. I do like TR Knight, though. I, I've enjoyed him very much in Grey's Anatomy while he was there, and uh, and I do, you know, it's nice to see him on my TV again. So hopefully that character is going to become someone more interesting, and I would rather go this route with Eli than, for example, Romantic Entanglements. Oh, God, so, yes. <laughs> you know, that could be interesting. Well, I, I'm on the wait and see uh you know, on the uh, <laughs> on the it's always sunny style board. I'm on the fence uh, yes. <laughs> for for that storyline right now. Okay, fair enough. The final show of the week for us is Bunheads, which came back from its hiatus. It had, had its winter premiere, I believe, is how they term it, uh, last night on on Monday, and and it was. Do you want to see something? And uh, I really enjoyed this episode. I, I'm very glad to have Bunheads back in my TV life. What, what about you? I, yeah, there's no way I was going to have time to see this. We open with a dance number and I, you know, as I talked about last week in our best of 2012, everything else, I've enjoyed the dance numbers on Bunheads all season. And I thought it was a really great way to start. I wasn't sure if it was a, a flashback or a dream sequence. And I thought that the way that they actually incorporated it made a lot of sense. It was, it was really charming and, and showed the show's absolute strengths in one like three minute sequence the 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 magician show was just so hilarious and hilariously demeaning and um i i am fortunate enough to say i haven't had gigs that are quite that bad but i think everybody who is a musician dancer artist of some kind has had a terrible job like that and can identify with it so i I did enjoy um the the uh the frustration and or ennui of of michelle in that job and the last thing i'll say is i i am enjoying most of what we're getting from the from the girls i loved that moment between sasha and michelle when michelle comes back to town um but i think the single thing in this episode as i was very glad that they brought back hubble in the way that they did i thought it, it's wonderful to see alan ruck of course but i thought it was just just the right note of what would be the thing to get you know get her back in paradise and to get you know fanny kind of off the ground after she's been you know sort of it's like having a i don't know my my assistant just may stole my students life crisis or whatever she's having i thought that that made a lot of sense and it was just it was really nice i'm, I'm I, enjoy, I enjoyed that they managed to incorporate him as much as they still do for a character who's very dead uh, so yes, Bunheads is back, and I love it. And I'm sure you'll have a chance to catch up with it soon, and then we can talk about it once you do. But uh, yes. for now, Bunheads, yay. In in the meantime, can someone please give Alan Ruck a regular role on something? Yes, please. Justified. Let's have him on Justified. Uh, well, that it's a little... I guess they could recast him on Justified. Oh, that's true. He was already on. He was in that... Oh, goodness. <laughs> I was thinking that was Breaking Bad, but you're right. That was Justified. So let's bring him on Breaking Bad. I could do that. Yeah, he's totally Breaking Bad level good. Yeah, um, the the last show is that I've saw on Sunday actually is Deception. Um, but I'm gonna hold again. I'm gonna hold like with down. I'm gonna hold off my thoughts on that until we get to our our segment at the end, talking about all the new shows that are that are starting up. So I will hold off thoughts there, and instead we will take a quick break, listen to some music, and come back with our spotlight on the hour, which just finished up its second season. So we'll be right back. Series. 
that was the theme song to the hour. Of course, it's I mentioned the opening credits last week, and as one of my favorite uh, opening credit sequences in 2012, uh, I love me a jazzy intro, uh, of course. But this has been a, a fun season for the hour. It's been, I mean, I've enjoyed it perhaps more than you. Of course, I have last season to draw on and compare to, whereas you hadn't seen the first se- series. Sorry, series, not season. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I know a lot, you know, when, when the hour showed up on a couple different top 10 lists at the end of 2012, I was a bit confused because I, I liked the show very much, but it didn't warrant top 10 as far as I was concerned. And then those last few episodes hit. This had a damn fine, you know, last couple episodes, didn't it? Yeah, it, it did. Um, with, with one caveat, I, I think what, what I find interesting about the hour is it has to be the unsubtlest very good show that I watch. <laughs> it's just especially in the in that last episode, just everything is played really, really big. Uh, you know, big music cues, big emotional cues, big everything, big, big, big. Uh, and you know, I feel like be, because of the lavish, um, or at least lavish feeling. I don't know if it's actually all that lavish. Um, production values. And the scoring, and the cinematography, and the costuming, et cetera, et cetera. The whole, the whole thing ends up kind of feeling like Junior Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, uh, which is fine by me. Like it, it's not as heady as maybe I would like it to be. It's maybe a little bit more obvious than I'd like it to be. A little bit more straightforward than I'd like it to be. But it, I, but I can't deny that it's very effective. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we you've really enjoyed Peter Capaldi on the show. I very much enjoyed all really all the lead performances uh, but it is you know as much as i do enjoy those performances as soon as you know the the more you know captivating or, or eye drawing actors are off screen it is really easy to just kind of stare at the at the background the costuming and and the the set design and you know the one of the things i, I will always give the bbc credit for is when they want to do period london or period england Damn, do they do it well? Because it is a gorgeous show to look at, and it can be, you know, to the maybe perhaps detriment of the show. It can be somewhat distracting at times, or maybe the 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 the, the stories need to go up a notch to, in order to keep you invested. When when it's so easy to just look at it and go, "Ooh, it's pretty." Yeah, um, and and it helps distract from certain contrivances. Like, uh, I don't know if, if if you picked up on this or not, but in that sequence when. Uh, ben Wysha and Kiki Delane are at the theater, and then they, and then he smuggles her out so that she's not caught by the hoodlums, and then she, she, he's like, "Go, I'll distract them." Like, why do you have to distract them? They're going into a place where you're not. Just go somewhere <laughs> else. And then he decides, "No, I have to go talk to them instead," which will end up getting me beaten possibly to death. Um, that was a little bit. You know that that's a contrivance that helps to get you to the big operatic finale, so I get it. But still, it was a little bit odd to me. Yeah, I was okay with that, if only because I didn't have trouble believing that they would catch up if he didn't like slow them down or like just buy her an extra extra thirty seconds to get in the car by talking to them. Uh, I, I I was willing to give them that, but I do hear what you're saying. Uh, it, it it is. I, I did the one that actually stood out to me was not that, but the um, I know a lot of people loved it, but the money, money, money. He's really saying money, Penny thing uh, felt a bit on the nose to me, and that was what was actually distracting me in the uh, in in the the finale there, the climax. Oh come on, the whole but, show uh, is on the nose. 
<laughs> but I still did very much enjoy it. Uh, one of the storylines, of course, that we've been following all season is the the past, shall we say, of Peter Capaldi's character and then the, I can't remember the actress's name off the top of my head, which is shameful because she's been wonderful for years and years. I loved her back in the original Pride and Prejudice BBC miniseries. Um, but their, their backstory, and, and I liked that, I, I wasn't expecting them to go the way that they did. I like that this didn't end up in hooking the two of them up romantically. It didn't end up in a tearful reunion of any sort. And, and it, I, I liked that of the, you know, on the scale of the hour, which as you say, is not the most subtle show ever. It did feel like a, a more restrained, you know, conclusion to that story. Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> so the way Peter Capaldi played that scene felt restrained to you? There, the no, I just mean the storyline. Oh, okay. As, you know, okay. having it come to nothing, basically. Okay. Well, not the, nothing. The, I mean, the, the, having having it come to you know the her just in a bathroom in a, in a stall. You don't see her. You just hear her crying a little bit. Uh, that's not you know that's a restrained. Okay. You know, so you, so you're not referring to the sequence where they actually find out. And then Peter Capaldi gradually breaks down and smashes his office. You don't mean that was restrained, do you? No, no. I mean the... Oh, sorry. For me, the conclusion of that is let's go to her grave together. Okay, yeah, and she fine. she says no. No. That's that. To me, that's the conclusion. Yeah, yeah. That. Well, I mean, that's quite literally the conclusion, but still. Uh, the, I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the scene that sticks out for me is Peter Capaldi smashing his office, which is a scene that not too many actors could pull off without causing severe eye rolling and honestly for me it came close like there were a few moments there where i was like okay this is getting to be even a little bit too much but he's so good that i didn't really care yeah i mean i didn't have any trouble with it at all so so it didn't you know i i've i think maybe i'm just more uh used i have different expectations for the show having seen the first season so i'm more accustomed to the universe of the show that didn't you know that 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 felt right it felt like an appropriate response mm-hmm. from this character in this in this world but i i do i do hear what you're saying also it it felt to me um, and maybe i'm inventing stuff here but it, it felt to me that they went the way they did with ben weish's character because they're not sure if they can get him next season that's just what i'm assuming <laughs> yeah i was expecting him to die I was surprised he didn't, like, officially die at the end of the season, you know, in that last final shot. Um, So that, to me, means he's coming back. Yeah, and I prefer him not dead, personally. Yeah. And I prefer they keep him around, but, you know, he's a busy guy, so maybe he can't. Yeah. No, I I wasn't surprised. That's what I I was like, oh, they're going to kill him off because he's in everything right now, and they're not going to be able to get him back. And and that actually had me curious of what the show would be like moving forward because it is so centered on those three central performances, those three main performances. But uh, I did think it was weird to have him that, you know, physically destroyed and not, to not dead. kill him. Yeah. That was a little bit much. Yeah. Like he probably was punched like 50 times by a huge dude, mm-hmm. uh, in sensitive areas. So yeah, for if he, yeah. if, if they bring him back intact next season, that's going to be a bit much. Um, maybe yeah. maybe he'll be physically or in some other way impaired, which would be interesting. Um, but yeah. yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with. It. I, I I picture a wheelchair bound Ben Wyshaw next season, but I could be wrong. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see where they go. I actually one of the other storyline uh, 
the 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 resolutions that I was surprised by was first of all I was surprised that I actually ended up caring about Kiki because I really didn't for the first half of the season but by the end I did so well done well done crew uh, but also I liked the way that they played the way that they ended up bringing about the 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 police character the you know the friend of Dominic West's character uh, and, and I I like that they came down pretty firmly of no this is not a good guy because first you know he seemed for the most part to just to be a, a troubled person but mostly you're supposed to think he's a good guy up until those last couple episodes and i think the material that, that dominic west had to work with was really great and i thought i actually believed the 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 reunion to an extent of of him and una chaplin as his wife i, I actually was kind of rooting for them to kind of get back together by the end and i was very surprised that they made me first of all care about dominic west again after i really didn't like him most of the season care about kiki and that they you know went the way that they did with the with the police commissioner yeah um the the stuff with the wife was predictable but was nice i mean i I felt like like it was pretty clear to me from the second or third episode that we were working towards an eventual reconciliation um and yeah the, the whole notion of him raising somebody else's kid and I, I i just i love the way that they had him phrase it with oh you you all you're some, something about her how clever she she is uh was just so yeah so, so great like so pained and and uh and ironic at the same time that was you know again not subtle but effective well but also not condemning in a way that should be from that character it should be or at least even a couple episodes before that well, it would have uh, been. Yeah, maybe. But, you know, also recognizing, you know, that he really doesn't have a leg to stand on if he wants to start condemning exactly, people. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But because I mean, not having a leg to stand on didn't really stop <laughs> misogynistic views on, on women's roles and such during that time period. Yes. So, you know... <laughs> I was I I liked it. It was nice to be able to root for for that character again. So, any final thoughts on the season of the hour? Are you gonna go back and watch season one? Are you hooked, or uh, are you? I don't know. If I'm, kind of wait and see. I don't know if I'm gonna have time to go back and watch season one, but uh, series one. Uh, but I I, I yes, did enjoy this series. one. Uh, do, do, how did you, how do you feel like the compared quality wise? It's interesting. I think it feels very consistent. I think a lot comes down to. Whether you prefer the crime element in this season or the spy element in the first season, because it, it's very much a you know a, a soap opera of you know some sort with the the news side of things plus fill in your blank so plus spy show last week last year last season series sorry last series or plus you know crime procedural this this time so um, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. I can't. I, I want to say that I like the second s- series better, but that could just be because I've seen it more recently. I would need to go back and watch some series one as well. Okay, so it's another boring logical answer from Kate. Great. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but I did. I I did. I was very much impressed by by some of the directions that they went this this series that I did not anticipate necessarily, and I thought they did a good job of bringing the characters around in interesting and believable ways. Uh, well, yeah, so maybe I'll maybe I'll watch season one at some point, but series one. But um, <laughs> I've got you doing it now. Yeah, I know. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I definitely enjoyed this this series. Um, curious to see what will happen when they bring it back. When they bring it back, who knows how long it'll be? Because it's Britain and they're wacky that way. 
Um, but uh, yeah, definitely enjoyable. Good, good pulpy fun that doesn't that doesn't insult your intelligence, but doesn't require honestly that much thought either. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean it's it's a very easy watch. Yeah, it's it's a pleasant watch. You're not gonna have to, you know, this isn't Breaking Bad where you want to go kill yourself after every episode. It, it it is it is a little depressing at times, but it's not like soul killing depressing, and it's not. Um, it's not like head ratchetingly tense either. It's just it, it's basically just solid drama, really. It this is this is what yep. this is what more drama should aspire to be, which is just tautly written, well executed, with interesting characters and settings. Uh not necessarily world changing, but eminently watchable. Is it so hard to do, really? Mm-hmm. So we'll take another break and listen to some music and come back with our our twenty thirteen mid season preview. We're going to look at what's coming our way on the on, on TV for the next few months. So we'll be right back after this. On this lonely road, trying to make it home, doing it on my own, pissed off with no song. I'm fighting for my soul, God, get at you, boy. You try to hold on, hold back, I go hard. On this lonely road, trying to make it home, doing it on my own, pissed off with no Son, a paradox of pain, baby, this real son. Lonely traveler, ain't trying to bounty up. But if you're feeling tough, dog, I woke up all challenges. That was the a bit of the theme song to Justified, which of course is starting this evening, premiering this evening as we record. Before we get to that, and the rest of the show is premiering either tonight or later on in the future, let's first look at a couple shows that have already premiered that I know people are excited about. First of all, Portlandia started up on the 4th on IFC. I'm not a, a huge fan, uh, so I won't be catching that unless there's an episode that everybody, you know, says I have to see. Um, but I'm not, you know, but I know other people are very excited about that. We have Downton Abbey season three, which premiered this Sunday on PBS. Um, I've seen season three, and I, I know that uh, we very much had issues with season two, and I, no. I can't believe in overrated. How did neither of us mention Downton Abbey this this year last last week on our best and worst of 2012? Um, but season three, I think, uh, is a lot of the same. But then about halfway through, there's something that happens, which I will, of course, not say that really kicks the show into gear. And uh, it has a really fantastic episode about halfway through and that the events of that episode affect much of the rest of the season and really bring the show to a, a, a much higher hit to miss ratio, I would say, over the second half of the season. So while we still have Bates in prison, eye drama that I don't care about for the first half of the season, and we have more Thomas shenanigans, seriously, how does that guy have a job? It's ridiculous. It's completely contrived. And uh, some, some even, even they managed to get in another Matthew Ma and Mary. Are they really going to get married in the premiere? Uh. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, but about, as I said, about halfway through, some stuff happens that really kicks it into gear. And I would say the second half, uh, that episode is really good. Um, and then the from there we you know it it gets better definitely better and I will probably check in for season four, uh, which I didn't necessarily intend to, uh, before hearing that season three was better. So I will probably check in for season four on the strength of a couple of the decisions they make this season. Out of curiosity, have you seen the season three Christmas special? I have seen the season three Christmas special because okay, I heard that was quite 
uh, iffy. Yeah, it's. I think that is. I think that is accurate. Uh, the people will be will most have been talking about what happens at the very end. There's a bit of a cliffhanger, um, but uh, that I don't want to say. I you know it's hard to talk about without having any spoilers. Fair so enough. it's. I was disappointed. I think this this past Christmas special was better, even with all the ridiculous Bates drama. Um, I think it, the the this. 2012 Christmas special, which will be coming, you know, a few months down the line here for us on PBS, was strong, um, you know, better in general. But this, the last few moments feel very contrived, and you know, I, I you know, when you're when you're Downton Abbey, there are certain things that you need, you need to start you need to have all the time. We can't have anything, you know. There needs to be some high drama happening all the time. So whether or not it feels organic they're gonna do it so that's kind of where I'm at. and then the last thing i have about downton abbey uh because we're not gonna talk about this week to week is what is julian fellow's obsession with i you have to, are you on my side you're against me or are you with me like, i swear almost every episode of downton abbey this season someone says as long as you're on my side or good to know that you're that you're on my side of this it's like it's, it's very curious, and I haven't seen anybody else talking about that, but uh, it, that was one, you know, if you're going to watch Down Abbey and you want to have a drinking game, that's a that's a chug the beer moment, because it happens every week. Any, anytime someone draws battle lines between someone and someone else? Well, it, every every time someone takes a, a logical argument or a discussion, you know, a, a mean, an important, significant discussion and, you know, immediately infantilizes the whole thing down to, are you with me or against me? <laughs> then, yes. Uh, I suspect it has something to do with Julian Fellows and his experience with critics. Perhaps. <laughs> In which case, sir, I am against you, if those are the <laughs> only choices. But moving on, we, of course, had the premiere of Bunheads, which we already talked about. Um, that was uh, on the 7th and ABC Family. And then Deception premiered last night as well on NBC. I've seen the first three episodes of this. This is a a um, somewhat of a murder mystery. We have a cop who goes undercover, staying with the family that she grew up with. Her mother was a servant for this very wealthy family. And so when the, the young daughter... Dies in a suspicious overdose, then she is called in by the FBI, who've been investigating the family, uh, to go undercover with them and try to figure out what's going on. This has very much a Veronica Mars feels to it. Feel to it. It's nowhere near as noir, and of course they don't have the high school setting. But the there are flashbacks to the two of them, the two characters who are best friends as young girls, and you know talking about their hopes and dreams, and so it it does have a very Veronica Marsh feel. I've been surprised that I haven't seen more people make that connection. People seem to be connecting constantly to revenge, and this is much more of a Veronica Mars kind of show than anything else. But but you know it's nowhere near as good as Veronica Mars. And it doesn't have all the the elements that are the most interesting of Veronica Mars are not in this. So it's not noir. It's not like the contrast of the high schooler with the heightened emotions. Um, what I find most interesting is that there isn't the standalone element that Veronica Mars had. So there there are a couple you know aspects of a couple episodes, at least that I've seen, that feel standalone. But having seen as much TV as we've seen... I'm pretty sure they're going to get tied in in a couple episodes down the line. So the the trouble is that we know because this is television and this is not the type of show that is genre breaking or going to, you know, change that. This is not a show that's going to pull a homeland. We're not going to find out who's responsible for the, the girl's, the woman's death 
until the end of the season. And that means that's a long way away. And so in the second or third episode, when we have, oh, they they know they figured it out and they were going to talk to them. You know that that character is going to die or get bought off or something. You know that they can't solve the case that quickly. And so then it starts to feel incredibly repetitive. And and I was I was surprised that they didn't decide to do some standalone elements so that you can have you know there there's a reason you know you're moving forward on the case but you're not trying to fill 50, you know 40 minutes 50 minutes with you know solving this case only to have it go nowhere um so i was a little confused by that i don't think it's as bad as everybody seems to be saying i think there's a mostly likable cast i of course i love victor garber who's who's the potterfamilius um but uh yeah you know there's some other fun guest stars as well uh or or people who seem to be showing up in some extent to some extent on in the cast um it was interesting enough for me to watch three episodes and not just quit after one but not interesting enough for me to watch it week to week when it's you know once it's started airing so that's that's where i am with deception i have a feeling this is not your show i would not advise that you check it out simon well you you didn't exactly do a great job selling me on it (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I wasn't uh, particularly trying to sell mostly with the being honest. But yes, there are people who will very much like this show, I am sure. Um, but yeah, I don't I, I don't know that it's, you know, it's it's nothing that we haven't seen before and done better. So so that concludes the shows that we're going to talk about that have already premiered. You have the first chunk that will be starting up tonight and later on. Right. Uh, first up is Cougar Town on TBS, which... I know we're we're slightly divided on. I know you think it's uh, pretty pretty much the bee's knees. I I have trouble sort of getting <laughs> totally into it. For me, Cougar Town is halfway between Community, which is a show that is beloved and I just can't stand a lot of the time, and something like I don't know Happy Endings, which is a show that is beloved and I really enjoy. Um, I I see its charms. I just have trouble identifying them all the time. Uh, but you know I'm I'm glad it's found it it's found a new home, and uh, hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully they've still got budget for wine. <laughs> I'm sure they do. <laughs> um, yes, I'm looking forward to that one more than you are, certainly. And, uh, of course, something we're both very much looking forward to, possibly the most of anything that we're talking about today, although we'll see, is uh, Justified! What? Uh, yeah. Comes back on uh, on the 8th. That's today. That's tonight. Uh, yeah. Doing a... Apparently, they're doing uh, it a little bit differently this season. It's sort of a mystery-themed type deal this season. Season Season-long mystery involving uh, something that happened uh, involving Arlo sometime in the past. That's really all I know. And anything that involves Arlo and Raylan is pretty much guaranteed gold, uh, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) And we've got Patton Oswalt. We've got other people joining the cast. I mean, come on, it's justified. Yes, they're they're embracing the standalone format. You know, remember when we were talking about this last year, I was like, you know what I would love for next year? Entire season of standalones. And apparently that's what they're doing. So thank you for listening. I assume Graham Yost is a listener, clearly. That's not really the impression I'm under, though. I don't feel like it's, like, I, we're, we don't have a big bad mm-hmm. like we had in previous seasons, as far as I can tell, although apparently Wind Duffy is still around. Yes. <laughs> um but uh, I don't. I'm under the impression that there's. It's sort of a blend of standalone elements and sort of an overarching mystery. So yes, I don't think you're going to totally get your wish. Yeah, but I'm okay. With, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with there's a some stuff that he's looking into, or there's a mystery that he's trying to figure out. But that's not the driving force 
of the season, which I, it sounds like he's going to be chasing various, doing various martially things, you know, in a, in a more standalone thing. Every couple episodes will be a new one, every episode, something like that. And then there's this thread that's kind of connecting it all together, but that doesn't seem like it's the narrative drive. Mm-hmm. At least that's, of course, unfortunately, we do not have access to FX screeners, though we would love to have access to FX screeners. So, FX. So we have. We want your screeners, goddammit. Yes, please. Um, but more politely than he said. Uh, anyways. <laughs> um, but but it does seem like, you know, we love Justified already and uh, and they've done very well when they've, you know, when they've when they've mixed those two, you know, forms of serialized yeah. and, and standalone. It, yeah. And I appreciate that every season has been different so far. Mm hmm. Like not hugely different, but subtly different. Yeah, and um, and I don't think they got enough credit for what they pulled off last season. So as as you all know, then mm. I think that anyway, justified. Very excited uh, on the tenth on NBC sixteen hundred pen, which you've seen already. Yes, I've seen the first three for this one as well, and I have found myself somewhat charmed with sixteen hundred pen. Again, not quite enough to to set my DVR season pass. But enough for, oh, there's something on which we watch. Oh, I'll check out 1600 Pen. Sort of the way that I was surprised when I checked back in with Go On, that I did very much actually enjoy it. So uh, th- this, of course, has Josh Gad as the kind of screw-up eldest son of the president, who is played by Bill Pullman, who is a widower, who is remarried to to Jenna Elfman, who is, I think, very winning in her role here. And then there's the there are three other children uh, in, in the family. Uh, so yeah, I think it actually works pretty well, and I look forward to to watching. You know, as they they'll continue to find their feet um, and find their balance of White Houseness with uh, you know the the regular standard family stuff. We'll we'll see what happens, but uh, you know, I was surprised that I thought it, it got better with each episode from the pilot to the second to the third. So not mind blowing, but still worth it, worth checking out. All right. Uh, this coming Sunday, there's a whole bunch of stuff premiering. First up on HBO, we've got Enlightened, which I saw about half of the first season, and I know a lot of people really loved uh, season one. I-, I might check back in with it to see how I'm feeling about it. I mean, Laura Dern is fantastic. I think she's one of the greatest living actresses around. Uh, watch Enlightened Empire sometime, and you'll know why. Uh, but I wasn't quite as besod- besotted with it as I was hoping to be, so I'm hoping I like it better this time around. Um... And, uh, of course, on the same day, we've got Girls premiering. That's a big deal. Season 2. Donald Glover joins the cast somewhat to apparently very directly address <laughs> the racial issues. Uh, which, I don't know how I feel about that, but we'll see. Uh, at least from, from from what I've read, there's going to be a very meta element to that, which, I don't know, that sounds kind of annoying to me. But I don't know. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, I, I mean, I very much enjoy Donald Glover. It's nice to see him getting other work. I haven't really seen him pop up in much besides Community recently. As you know, I think he's incredibly charismatic and uh, and could be a really good fit on Girls. But uh, yeah, no, I I've just started to you know hear what you're describing from from people who have seen the you know early episodes of Girls, and I look forward to it because I think it's interesting and I enjoyed the show in the first season. I it's nice to see more altruistic uh, TV happening, and so I look forward to seeing what Lena Dunham has to say after you know the various criticisms and you know positive and negative that were you know, addressed towards girl girls last year. So I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping it'll be fun. I'm I'm hoping it's not gonna be too uh self regarding. Yeah. Um, and too sort of self fixated, uh l- looking a little bit more outward. I don't know if that's even possible with girls and Dunham in general, but we'll see. 
Um, and then, of course, on Showtime, we have House of Lies, which is a show that I know you and I were really disappointed with last season, given the cast and concept and general pedigree on screen. Uh, do you feel like maybe giving it another shot or no. what? Okay, just checking. <laughs> and that's with my Kristen Bell love. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, of course, then there's Shameless, which is a show that I know I've heard lots of great stuff about for years. And, you know, William H. Macy is obviously brilliant. Um, and uh, do you feel like we might uh, give this a shot this season? Uh, well, you you are welcome to. Uh, I do keep hearing it's very good. And it's one of those that I, you know, it's one of those sh- shows where you feel like you should watch it. And yet, I there's sort of a barrier to entry for me with Shameless. I don't, like, when I hear about the show... I don't hear people saying that it's hilarious. And when I hear about what's happening on the show, I don't know why I'm supposed to want to watch that if it's not hilarious. So I, I'm. this is all a bunch of blathering, you know, self-justification for why I haven't seen it yet. But um, that's kind of where I'm at with Shameless right now. So maybe if, I, if there wasn't such a glut of shows all premiering at once, I would give it a shot or yeah. check it out. But with, you know, like we said, I'm going to watch Cougar Town. We have Justified. We have Girls. We have a bunch more shows yes. that we're going to mention. All sort of starting up at once. I'm not going to have sh- time for Shameless yet. But let me know if you guys, you know, out there are enjoying Shameless, think I should check it out. And especially, Simon, if you start checking it out, then I, I very well might, you know, dive in a few weeks down the line. All right. Uh, next up on, the, on Sci-Fi, there are three premieres on Monday the 14th. Uh, first up is Being Human, uh, the U.S. version. Frankly, I wasn't all that crazy about the U.K. version, so I'm assuming the U.S. version isn't even as good as that, so I'm just going to leave that there. Uh, then there's Continuum, which is actually a Canadian series, which I keep meaning to check out and haven't yet. Um, so I guess that makes it, makes it a good pairing with Lost Girl, which is also premiering. So yes, enjoy your slightly lower-rent Canadian sci-fi <laughs> uh, on Amer- now on American screens. I did actually check out the Continuum pilot because, uh, you know, knowing that it was coming up, I did hear a lot of really positive stuff about it um, at Comic-Con last year. And, uh, so yeah, I, I, I thought it, I liked it, but it didn't grab me in the way that Lost Girl did. The the performances weren't quite, you know, charismatic enough to, to really get me to watch the next episode right away. I, I very much enjoyed watching Lost Girl catching up with others in this past year. Um, so that's one that I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing what comes next. But uh, with Continuum, that's more to maybe a check-in, like four episodes in to see. see Because I'm not quite sure what that show is like on a week-to-week basis based on the pilot. It's very much a premise pilot where the pilot is setting up who and what and why and what's going on. You know, there's an element of time travel in there. Um, and I, I do actually, I will mention they, they have the cigarette smoking man from X-Men, uh, from X-Files, you know, and as a, a significant role in the pilot, but I'm not sure how, or if he's going to play into the rest of the series. And that was the character that I was most interested in. So we'll see. Let if you guys check out continuum week to week, let me know if I need to check back in. Didn't dislike it. Just, it didn't grab me quite enough to watch week to week. Continuing on, we have The Carrie Diaries on the CW. That's on the 14th, same day. Um, I've, I mean, I'll watch the pilot because we watch all the pilots, but uh, I really don't see why this needed to happen. Next up, we have The Kroll Show, uh, which is going to be premiering on January 16th on Comedy Central. This is another, I believe it's a sketch comedy show from Nick Kroll. We think he's very funny. Uh, are you excited for this one? In general, sketch comedy is a bad idea. I'm not saying there hasn't been a lot of good sketch comedy, but 
there's been much more bad sketch comedy than good sketch comedy. Can we agree on this? Yeah, I think it's you know usually about finding the show or the the sketch comedy group or or whatever that uh, you feel has the best hit to hit to miss ratio. So Key and Peele has a, generally has a good hit to miss ratio. I like that show a lot. Yes. Um... Yeah, and I have no idea. There, there's, it seems like there's a few. Uh, there's going to be a whole bunch of new attempts at sketch comedy this year, as far as I can tell. Uh, and probably one of them will be good, to be honest. And I don't know if Nick Krolls is going to be that or not. So I guess we'll have to just wait and see. Next up, we have Archer and Legit, as well as a couple other shows that we don't care to talk about, premiering on the 17th. And that's, of course, FX. And then Archer's got to be, it's got to be Archer and Justified, right? Our two most uh, anticipated. Well, Archer's amazing. Uh, we, we've extolled its virtues many times. Um, yeah. FX has a really, uh, a, a quite good uh, comedy um, track record. Not quite as good as their drama track record, but pretty close. Uh, so I'm curious about Legit. Uh, but I don't know anything about the about the comic who's running it, uh, or really anything about the concept, or anything about it at all. So I, I have no idea what to anticipate <laughs> there, other than that FX generally does comedy well. Yep, that, and that's enough for me to check it out when I normally probably wouldn't. Uh, and of course, the apparently the Archer premiere episode is the Bob's Burgers crossover. So oh. yes, please. <laughs> Very excited about that. Yes. Also premiering the same day on the 17th is Newsreaders on Cartoon Network. Of course, this is the second spinoff of Children's Hospital. I don't know how they're going to make this a weekly show, but uh, I'll check in and see how you see what happens. Well, I mean, if the Onion News Network can be a thing, I don't see why Newsreaders can't. Uh, we'll see what happens. And then next we have An Idiot Abroad, which is has its season three, which I believe is actually more like a, a, a lengthy Christmas special that they're breaking up into a couple different things. Or maybe it's like there's three episodes or something. I'm kind of confused about what that season's going to look like. And Stuff You Should Know, which I enjoy the podcast a lot, so hopefully that show will be good. Both are premiering on the 19th on the Science Channel. So, you know, that's kind of... I know you're not as into An Idiot Abroad as I am, but that's going to be one that'll be kind of fun, and hopefully I'll enjoy it. We'll see. Uh, so next up on the 19th on BBC America, we have Ripper Street, uh, which is a terrible sounding <laughs> new Jack the Ripper themed, uh, series. I don't know, just the whole prospect of a Jack the Ripper themed series just sounds really tiresome to me. Yeah, all these new serial killer, you know, shows seem utterly tiresome to me. The only thing that sort of distinguishes this one a little bit is that it has a surprisingly good cast. I really like Matthew McFadden. McFadden, I liked him in uh, Spooks or MI5. I liked him in Pride and Prejudice. Uh, We'll see if he's enough to get me to check out Ripper Street. I I don't know. But this is the year of the serial killer, at least on television, and I don't get why. Yeah, speaking of which, next up is the following, which uh, you've seen already the pilot of, if not more, and uh, I know you weren't all that crazy about it. Oh, yeah, not more. I wouldn't watch more after seeing that pilot. <laughs> I hated this pilot. I actually think I'm going to make myself watch it again because it's been so long to make sure that I actually do despise it the way that I did. You know, make sure it wasn't just, you know, the room on the day. But uh, there's a lot of, you know, to me, it felt very sadistic and misogynistic. And I don't know why, you know, Kevin Bacon couldn't find a better project to do. Just like, if you're going to be in a misogynistic, sadistic show, be on a better misogynistic, sadistic show. <laughs> or just don't be on a misogynistic and sadistic show, because there's a lot better stuff you could be doing with your time. Fair enough. Um, yes. That's my thoughts on the following. Next up is a show I think we're both much more excited about, that Spartacus War of the Damned, 
What a great title. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like more shows need to have season subtitles. I think it's a great idea. Um, anyway, so this is going to be the third and final season of Spartacus, which, well, well, fourth if you count the prequel. Um, and uh, so, which is a, an unusually abbreviated run, but I think one that makes sense for the heightened nature of the series. And uh, I don't know, I'm looking forward to more hyper violent goodness. Yep. Talking about how I, d- I did, did not like the following and its violence. It's all about how you do violence. Yes. And I do not have a problem with the violence in Spartacus. No, it's it's, it's so, yeah, it's it completely heightened. It's not at all uh, meant to scare you emotionally, uh, w- with rare exceptions. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'll be curious to see how they um, how the show looks without um, the many, many characters we lost in the finale of last season. <laughs> um, and uh, see, sort of see how the tra- I, I feel like the show's got a great track record, especially with antagonists. So I'll be curious to see what this se- season's round are like. And uh, next up is a show. Uh, there aren't that many new series we're excited about, but I think this is one that our interest is definitely peaked about. It's The Americans on FX premiering on January 30th. This is about a couple of Russian sleeper agents uh, pretending to be uh, or I guess. Would they would they be sleeper agents? Yeah, I believe. I forget how. That yeah, works. I think they're sleeper agents, or they're, they're undercover posing as Americans. Right, oh, under undercover posing as as a, as an average American couple. Carrie uh, Russell stars, and Graham Yost of Justified and From the Year to the Moon, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Executive produces. Everything about this sounds awesome. Yeah, it will also did I don't remember did, did you mention period piece set in what the like the the eighties? Yeah, it's set in the early eighties. Yes, yeah, so during the Cold War. Yes, so, so I think there's a lot of potential in that time period that we haven't necessarily seen explored in quite a while on television. Um, I love Carrie Russell. I, there's a big spot in my heart for Carrie Russell, and uh, I look forward. And yeah, I liked those brief shots we got of her as a super spy on uh, in, in Mission Impossible Three. So if we get even a little bit of that kind of kick-ass Carrie Russell in this, I'll enjoy it. Plus, you have Graham Yost involved it, to some extent. That's going to be a big plus from me. So, yeah, I, I have I have high hopes for the Americans. The, actually, it might, the pilot might sort of suffer ba- you know, for me based on how high my hopes are for it. Yeah. I'm trying to de-psych myself. Yes. Uh, but, but I think FX's track record for drama is almost spotless. Like, even better than their comedy track record. So, even a show like Lights Out, which I didn't think was totally successful, uh, still had some great episodes and some really strong performances. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Next up is a show that I think we're less excited about and you've actually seen already. It's called Do No Harm. Uh, Maybe you could explain the premise. This premiere is on the 31st on NBC. This is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Except. Now. Except. Except he's a surgeon. And it's a procedural and it's well I, yeah but i mean the i have only seen the pilot the pilot again it's another premise pilot so i'm not quite sure what this is going to be like week to week but uh based on i mean it's it's dr jekyll and mr hyde we've all seen this story before i don't care to see it again it, there's you know again there are a number of of talented cast members here felicia rashad is the the boss at the hospital but um no there the, the number of problems with this concept I mean, and, and and especially making him a surgeon, he has a, he takes a, a, he pretends he has diabetes and that's why he can't ever go anywhere at night. And he knocks himself out basically every night so that, you know, the other, you know, the Hyde character can't get out. Um, and so before he, he does surgery, he gets a blood sugar test. And if it's not, you know, if his, if his blood sugar isn't right, then he can't operate. 
Yeah, because there's no way an evil arch alter ego could get around, you know, blood sugar levels. That's that's great. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of problems with with this show. And as much as I, you know, it's nice to see Lin Manuel Miranda show up, who is of course the the writer and song, you know, lyricist and musician behind uh, In the Heights. It's wonderful to see him, but the fact that he doesn't have something better to be doing than to be playing the the lab geek friend of our main character on this show is the most depressing thing I've heard in a long time. <laughs> Get back to writing your your you know your album your your concept album about uh, Alexander Hamilton, man. That I would much rather hear that than see you for thirty seconds on this show. But um, you know, got to make a paycheck. Everybody has to make yeah, a paycheck. Got to eat. I, I, this one can just go away. As far as I'm concerned, it's not offensive, but it's not interesting. Fair enough. Next up, we have the return of Smash on February 5th to NBC. I've seen the first three or four of this. The, the premiere is a two-episode, two-hour premiere. We have uh, Jennifer Hudson joining to some capacity, in some capacity. It's wonderful to hear, you know, a good singer, uh, as opposed to a really good singer, I should say, not just a very good singer. Uh, show up on the show. Uh, of course, I, we've both liked Megan Hilty a lot. Cat Cat uh, McPhee has had some, you know, she she requires more auto tuning, shall we say, and that results in a, a a rather fake sound to to her her vocals a lot of the time. Um, so it's nice to hear a, a far more naturalistic voice come on the show. Everything about her character is better. You know, it's like the introduction of her character is the right movement for the show. We also have the introduction of a song, a musical writing team. The We have a, a talented uh, but uh, difficult genius. You know how I feel about those guys. And his best <laughs> friend, uh, the the talented but troubled genius is the the composer. He's in the vein of a Jonathan Larson. They, all, they name check Jonathan Larson in his episode, in, in one of his first episodes that he appears in. Actually, and that's of course for those who don't know, that's the first he Jonathan Larson wrote Rent, um, but uh, you know, so it's that's that kind of thing. He works at a bar, and then in his off time, he's writing this amazing musical. Um, of course, he's also an addict and uh, has some some issues with um, relationships, apparently. So I I am not interested in that storyline at all. But, uh, you know, having a speed bump get hit for Bombshell, I think, is interesting and in seeing what happens next. They've fixed uh, a lot of the stuff with um, with Ivy. That's lovely. Uh, Leo is nowhere to be seen in the first four yes. episodes. Yes, I, I, I thought you would enjoy that. And Frank is in one of the first four episodes and then gone, not in anything else. And there's even a shout out to maybe it's time to lose the scarves. That was I thought you would enjoy, too. Um, but... <laughs> Some of the still, you know, we there. There's a, a certain character gets name dropped in a significant way that I am not excited about. In the the fourth episode, we have a character set up as this villainous big bad kind of character that I really wish the the show hadn't. You know, I wish the show hadn't gone down that route. I don't want to say too much for those you know who are going to watch. Um, so a lot of the same, really. As much as they've changed a bunch of things, there are some new strengths to the show. And some of the frustrations from before are taken care of or and are addressed and are gone. Um, and to me, there are more musical numbers and they're better. So that's good, too. Um, but there are still some of the same lingering issues with not knowing, you know, not having a good sense of what's working and what's not. So hopefully that'll get addressed as the show continues. I, I'll probably check back in once they've caught up to where I am at. 
Um, but yeah, so more of the same from Smash. All right. Uh, then next we have Community on J- on February seventh on NBC. I know a lot of people are very excited to see that come back. It'll be interesting to see in what you know what kind of a show it is with a different showrunner. Then on the eighth we have Touch on Fox. That's February eighth. Uh, <laughs> the most yes. offensive show on television. Well, I don't know. Well, I'm gonna watch the following again. Touch might get knocked off of its perch. Then we have Battlestar Galactica Blood and Chrome on the tenth February tenth on Siffy or Sci-Fi Channel. Um, as well as The Walking Dead coming back for its mid-season, you know, starting up again on February 10th. That's, of course, on AMC. So we'll see what happens with the two, you know, Woodbury and the prison when, when that showdown comes comes to the fore, one assumes, pretty quickly at the beginning of Walking Dead. Uh, was it season 3.5, right? That's what you call that? Yes. Then we have a new season of Amazing Race on CBS on February 17th. Uh, we get a couple of these a year. You know what to expect. Uh, on the 19th, we have Cult on the CW. This is another serial killer thing, isn't it? Uh, this is, so, it's it's weird. It, it It's interesting, I should say. And this is another one that they screened at Comic-Con, so I have seen the pilot to this. It's about a, there's a TV show within the show that is called Cult. And there is, it seems like a cult that has, you know, sort of popped up around the show within the show. So and, and and some of the crimes that are ha- that have happened in the show within the show, which is called so it's kind of difficult to describe, um, are happening in the real world of the show, and and so the main <laughs> character who is played by Matt Davis from you know who people will know from Vampire Diaries, his brother you know spouts off at him about this thing and then disappears and people are showing up murdered and so you have people trying to figure out what's going on and but you also see the actors who play the characters in the show within the show you meet the actors and they're completely it doesn't seem like they're involved so it's it's interesting yeah okay it, it could be really good or it could fall completely off the rails and be terrible it's like it's really the pilot is walking a tightrope and you're not quite you're going to you know see a couple episodes to really know what's going to happen Okay. But it, it's by the creator of Farscape, Rockney S. O'Bannon, and it is created by the same person that is. And it could be really cool, really interesting, have really interesting things to say about fandom and and identity and, and all of that. Or it could be a hot mess. Okay. Or it could be Fair bad. enough. Very, uh, very curious. Check that out. Next up uh, is something I know nothing about. That's Golden Boy on CBS premiering on February 26th. What is this exactly? Police procedural uh, young cop is looking to rise through the ranks to become the youngest police commissioner ever. And uh, the only thing interesting about this to me at all at this point is that it has Chai McBride, of course, who we, we very much enjoy, and also Kevin Alejandro, who we would know from uh, as Jesus uh, or Jesus on uh, True Blood. So it has some cast members that I like, but I, I think it's interesting that we've heard so very little about this pilot at this point. Yeah. I would imagine there'll be some more coming out of TCAs. But uh, at this point, I know very little about this show. Yes. Okay. Um, next up is Psych, having its umpteenth season premiere on USA on the twenty seventh. Um, is this? Is it the final season, or is it just? Is it just going to keep on ticking forever? Right now, I think they're on seven. Uh, okay. I, I think because they've already filmed, and uh, I believe the next season. I, I don't know if they've gotten picked up yet or not, but this has not been announced as the final season. I'm very much looking forward to this season, though, because we can expect the hundredth episode 
Clue episode. So the 100th episode is going to be an homage to Clue. And then they're also doing a two-hour musical. And the little bit of, of lyric and song we heard at Comic-Con sound awesome. So I have a lot of... I, you know, I, I enjoy Psych. I, I, I like that world and those characters. So... You know, that's one that I jump into every now and again based on if the premise for that episode seems interesting. So I, I will definitely be checking in for a few of these psych episodes this season. All right. And the last one is something I also know nothing about. That's Red Widow on ABC. And it's premiering on March 3rd. Uh, what is this one exactly? Red Widow is um, so a, a, a mob boss or to, you know, underling to some extent uh, gets gets whacked. And then his his wife, who never liked that he was involved with the mob, must take his place in the mob. Oh God! So that she, <laughs> so that she can discover, so she can keep her family together and discover who killed her husband. Uh, yeah, yeah. God damn it! <laughs> Just... Can I have the mob doctor back, please? Oh Jesus! Okay, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Next, uh, I have Grimm, which is going to start. It's been off the air for quite a while at this point. It's going to start up again on March 8th on NBC. Revolution and the Voice are both coming back on the 25th of March, also NBC. Call the Midwife will be coming up again on the 31st of March, all, of course, PBS. Then on the same day, the 31st, we're going to have Game of Thrones starting its third season on HBO. Very much looking forward to that, and uh, hopefully it'll live up to the hype of what the book promises. Any thoughts on Game of Thrones Season 3? Yes, that would be great. I mean, I haven't read season, I haven't read book three, but people have been hyping this stuff up for years now. So, yes, please be good. More Brienne and Jamie, please. That, that, that you know, that I look forward to, if nothing else, I look forward to more of the same from, from the characters we already know and uh, more awesome from, from those two in particular. We also have uh, here How to Live with Your Parents for the Rest of Your Life on, on April 4th, and that's ABC. Then on April 15th, Defiance uh, is going to start up on Sci-Fi Channel. I don't know very much about this, but they I, I saw a little bit at Comic-Con where they were talking about this. It could be interesting. We'll see. Uh, and it has Julie Benz. I like Julie Benz. And then Warehouse 13 is coming back the same day. And then the final one we have is, is, on, May, uh, is on May 1st, and that's Family Tools on ABC, which is a, a sitcom, family sitcom. So How to Live With Your Parents, by the way, is the one that stars Sarah Chalk as a recently divorced woman who is forced to move back in with her parents with her kids. Um, so that will theoretically address the economic realities for a lot of people right now. But I don't know. I, I like Sarah Chalk, but that seems kind of dreadful to me but i don't know we'll see yep all right so that's that's your that's your winter spring yes that's when the the winter and spring preview that we have um obviously we've already mentioned we're very excited for justified and archer anything else you want to mention here that what aside from the ones that we know will be good and we have high hopes for the americans what anything else come to mind or any that you are dreading what you know what's your overall thoughts of mid-season 2013 Oh, I'm sort of I, I'm simultaneously excited about and dreading Smash and getting back into the hate watching. Uh, that should be fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but the fact that there's no Leo kind of makes me sad. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no one it should be sad <laughs> by no more Leo. Leo, the actor who plays Leo, shouldn't be sad because it can only help his career to not be playing that character anymore. Yeah, fair enough. 
Anyway, so that is your 2013. Uh, we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. If there's something on here that we didn't mention that you want us to check out, drop us a line. Or if there's uh, something on here that we you know, said that we probably weren't going to cover that you would like us to cover, let us know. Of course, you can reach us at soundonsite.org. There will be a post up for this for this episode, and you can leave us a comment there. We're both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse. You are? I'm at Sucker Howell. And, uh, of course, we'd love to talk to you on Twitter. Also, you can email theteleverse at gmail.com to get in touch with us. And, uh, of course, our international music is Sweet Petite by the Bicycles. And uh, we would love if you would rate us or review us in iTunes. We uh, have both an M4A feed, which is a little messed up right now, but we're working it out, as well as an MP3 feed, which is working right now. Uh, so hopefully we'll all get that, you know, together and, and working and on the right on the right track in the next few days. But thank you as ever for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Um, any final thoughts about uh, the season of The Wire? Are you are you hooked? Are you going to go back and watch season one? Or are you just going to kind of wait? And did see? you just call it The Wire? I did just call it The Wire. <laughs> it's Dominic West. Uh, so any final thoughts?